ready to start a whole new year all over again. Welcome to Hand of Pot. One and all to episode 448 of Hand of Pod. We have just about stopped celebrating and nursed our headaches and sore throats from a month and a bit ago. Argentina remain world champions. They will be for three and a half years, so we can enjoy that feeling for that long. Um, they could be the shortest-lived world champions in history, though, if they don't retain their title. Indeed, yes, they could. Uh, but for now, we've got the rather more mundane and down-to-earth, but also let's face it, quite enjoyable at times, business of the Liga Profesional de Football because Argentine football is back on Friday evening. Um, Rosario Central and Argentinos Juniors get the 2023 league season underway. You might um, remember that last year, the year before that, and I think the year before that, there was Copa de la Liga in the first half of the year and League in the second half of the year. This time they've decided to reverse that for no reason that I'm aware of. But anyway, to preview the new season, I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. And Andres. Hello, welcome. Welcome back, gents. Just to correct you very quickly, Sam, oh. the year before the year before that, mm-hmm. um, we had COVID. Oh, yeah, there was supposed Copa. to be a Copa de la Liga followed by a Liga, but there wasn't. Yeah. Correct. And we had the arse end of the previous league season as well, just to kick off the year, I remember. Anyway. Thank you for the correction. No problem. Um, that was the year before the year before the year before that. That was the no, year before the year before the year before. The year before queued, yes. Yes, of course, because last year, the year before last year was 2021. The first league of professional since Argentina became champion. So, what do you expect about the, the performance or the enjoyable or not? Matches will well. One, one thing that we're not expecting is a world champion playing in Argentina, right? Because no. I saw a couple of headlines <laughs> saying so that well, Gormani, but he's not a, he hasn't played really. Mm. But the only yes, true, yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, so there will be one. But I, I saw a couple of headlines saying that Papu Gomez was being linked with Boca, and I then saw a tweet. I think it might have been from Peter or from one of you guys. Um, Quote tweeting one of them with a headline from Papa Gomez a couple of years ago saying, Ni en pedo, well, I don't know. I even be, worse. Not even drunk would I go back to play, <laughs> basically. Even worse than that, Independiente made an attempt to go. Oh, wow. okay. the, uh, the new president, Fabian Domain, mm-hmm. came out and said he talked to uh, Papa Gomez about coming back to Argentina to play for Independiente. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe a little bit, if not really at all, realistically, Nicolas Otamendi to River was one that was floated about. Ah, that was, yeah, wasn't it? But I think he's playing very well at Benfica at the moment. I mean, yeah, he's got a Champions League knockout stage to look forward to. But he will be free agent unless Benfica wants to renew his contract in June. Yes, maybe for the Copa then. Maybe for if we get lucky. Anyway, we have two teams who have come up. I have a feeling that when we last recorded at least a domestic episode, 
um, that we only had one team who were coming up because I don't think we knew the identity of the other when we recorded Hand of Pod episode 440. Very possibly six. because after Belgrano went up automatically there was a labyrinthine yeah. playoff um, And I, I seem to remember that we were sort of the last the last but one episode was recorded like the day before the second leg of the semi-finals or something like that mm-hmm. so the team who joined Belgrano anyway we might have mentioned this already if I misremembered but if in case I haven't the team who have joined Belgrano in the top flight are Instituto yes. so um, as Andres pointed out before we started we've gone from no Clásicos de Córdoba at all in the top flight to having uh, well three different teams which is going to lead to you've got Belgrano versus Instituto Instituto versus Tacheres Tacheres versus Instituto. Belgrano. Tacheres uh, three. Three, yes. Uh, three teams. Nassis, Fankids. Fixtures. It felt like that should have been maybe four somehow, but yeah. Anyway. I thought it might have been two. Um, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but yeah, the maximum number. Of and River will play against another club from Cordoba because not, yes, of course not, not yet when, but uh, he will play Racing de Cordoba for Copa Argentina. Mm. So uh, River will play. face four teams at least in this year. Oh, and the Copa Argentina is already underway. It is. Because Patronato have begun their defence already. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's... I haven't noticed whether or not it's traditional for the holders to to play the first match of the next edition. It's nice that they've waited until one of them's been won before starting the next mm-hmm. one, though. That, that's that's new, <laughs> relatively speaking, for the Copa Argentina. Um, I have a feeling that Boca... Did Boca win it in 2022, or was it River? Patronato won it. No, in, sorry, 2021, I mean. So ah, the defending Boca champions last year Boca, right? did win it, yes. Um, I have a feeling that they might have kicked it off last year as well, but I might be making this up and just applying some... I'll believe you until I see proof. It would be quite cool if they have decided that that's happening, yeah. but it would also be a little bit weird because they haven't announced that they've decided that, that that's happening. That's why you like still, to be played the Supercopa for that year, the River against Boca... Uh, Supercopa yes, that still has to be played, as of course does the 2022 Supercopa between yes. Boca as league champions and Patronato as Argentine uh, Copa Argentina champions. But there has been the Supercopa Internacional. Yeah, now this is different from that one that Boca played Racing in when I was down in um, Sierra de la Ventana. Yes. In, when was that? Mid November or something? Different but very similar. What, what is it? Uh, a complete fabrication. I mean, of course, all football competitions are fabrications because someone has to sit down and make them. But this was a fabrication of a fabrication of of a fabrication. Um, I've heard conflicting reports, neither of which seem like a brilliant um, justification to fly out to Abu Dhabi and make a tournament. It was either that Racing as Trofeo de Campeones winners which is what they won back in November. When they beat Boca in that when match, they that was technically that caught match. off with about 10 seconds to play. Correct. Had too many people sent off. Um, they won the right to play Boca as league champions. Um, or that Racing won the right to play Boca, the league champions, because they were the team who had the most overall points in 2022 between the Copa, Super League, uh, Copa Liga Profesional and the Liga proper. I see. Um, either way I, I quite like the first of those I, I was reading for some reason looking back through uh, the Wikipedia pages of various old world snooker championship mm. um, tournaments and uh, there were a few years in like the 1930s and 40s when they played the tournament but the defending champion which was always Joe Davis 
just waited for whoever won the tournament in the final. So yeah. it's a bit like the chess world championship now, where everybody has to play a tournament, and then the winner of that tournament gets to challenge the champion for the title. Um, and yeah, I just like this idea that Racing, by winning these matches all the time, and then continually winning the right to play Boca in another trophy match. Yeah. I think the next, the logical next step would be for Racing as the Supercopa Internacional winners to play Boca, to play Boca or Patronato, yeah. uh, whoever wins the other Supercopa, and you could have a super for the right Supercopa to play against Boca as league champions. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Or the right to play against either Boca or River, whoever mm-hmm. wins the 2021 Supercopa yeah. when it gets played, and just keep going from there. Just see how far you can string it along. Um, we, we could reach a point in like 2045, 2050 or something where the Argentine league season just consists of these same f- three or four teams playing each other endlessly for yes. endless succession you, of you know how, how And Racing's trophy cabinet is so full of these really quite nice actually trophies Bocca's um, that they can't, can't actually get through the door. With all the stars that they have to yeah. Well, I mean, they have to win one first. Do, do you know um, how much was the budget for that match between Racing and Boca in Abu Dhabi? I did hear some numbers. I know Racing took home at least a million in prize money, no matter and so whatever. Ten, it would. Ten, the ten percent of what PSG Paris Saint Germain received for playing against the uh, the, the Arabian mm. ten million Riyadh season. Yes, it, it it is a surprise that Briasco isn't quite as big a draw as Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. I know. Let's just drop that bombshell on you right here. Um, I think both teams did well out of it. Yeah, Roncalli is um, in Marquinhos, I know, yes. Oh, that volley from Faconda Roncalli, which opened the scoreline because this game, uh, it was a different competition to the last one, Racing won, but it finished in almost exactly the same fashion. Because uh, we haven't actually mentioned no. uh, what happened in the game yet. Boca took the lead fairly early, in the first half at least, through a thunder bastard volley from Faconda Roncalli, of all people. Mm. Look it up if you haven't seen it because it was very, very impressive. Um, Racing then hit back, I believe, still before half time. Yes. Um, thanks to the player who will be. I'm going to get my prediction in early. I don't know if we'll do a prediction section later in this podcast, but the player who will be the best player in the Liga Profesional this year, Johan Carbonero, uh, who was had a fantastic match, finished the year really well last year and scored oh. a very nice breakaway goal. Yeah, it's it's, it's a beauty, right? Yeah. Um, and then, very typical, very typical Racing under Gago, Boca under one of their ex-player matches, followed, you know, Racing doing a bit more, trying to push it, Boca not really doing anything, but holding on, until in the last minute, Boca give away a penalty because of a... I want to say Agustin Sandes Hamble. I don't know if that's even his first name or if he was a player, but I'm putting it out there. Boca weren't very happy, as you know they never are when things go against them. VAR confirmed the decision, correct in my, in my opinion. Gonzalo Piovi put the penalty away. Racing finally managed to score a decisive penalty to win something. Final minute of normal time, Racing 2-1 win the title and Ivan Pichoud gets his hands on his fifth title for Racing and his mimics second in as many matches. Second in as many matches. Racing second in as many matches. Mimics Messi's uh, also quite famous celebration to lift the title. And I think the moral is if 
you're playing blue and white stripes, go and play tournaments in the Middle East because it will go quite well for you. Mm. There was a player called Agustin Sandes in Locker's backline. Uh, I didn't see the game, so I can't tell you what There were some people saying that the, the penalty, which was awarded by Rapalini, the same referee that was uh, for the match between Racing and Boca at, at the Cilindro, finished mm-hmm. nil-nil, and there was a, a polemic a handball by, I think it was Gomez, Jonathan Gomez. And they, mean, they compared that. You mean the handball that Jonathan Gomez committed after almost having his leg scythed off by Sebastian Vischer with one of the worst tackles in the entire year that went unpunished as well. I'm not having that, though. If there were any justice, that would have been a red card for Vischer and we wouldn't even be talking about this. So I'm not interested in Boca fans or Independiente fans who like to cast dispersions on these glorious titles. Racing are just picking up like loose change. So, I take it somewhere else. At some point, we need to drag this on topic and actually start previewing the league season. I mean, that was uh, that was the first competitive match of the year, so it seems like a logical enough starting point. Anyway, but yes, you are yes, correct. Um, if we want to kind of keep it on, it was probably a match between two of the teams we'd famous. expect to see at least in the top five, right? Yes, Racing and Boca. Uh, yeah, to remind everybody because it feels like such a long time ago now. I mean, remember the last season. Uh, finished back when Argentina weren't world champions. Well, we even in colour. Uh, these two teams, Boca and Racing, were first and second in the league uh, in 2022. Only two points separating them as well. Racing finished three points clear of River and Huracan in third and fourth. Um, and I think, as far as I know, I've not been paying a hell of a lot of attention. A lot of this podcast is going to consist of you two informing me who's made good signings and mm-hmm. stuff. But I think they've both had reasonably good transfer windows. Boca, of course, have lost Agustin Rossi, who's now going to be Cristiano Ronaldo's teammate. Yes. At, uh, at Lassen. Because then they will go to Flamengo. Mm. But they've got Javier Garcia, is presumably going to be the starting goalkeeper, because, let's face it, Sergio Romero's going to carry on being a backup, because that's what Sergio Romero does. That's his calling in life, yes. And, and if they do, some for some reason, decide that Sergio Romero maybe deserves a chance at starting mm. goalkeeper, then what, they've got a pretty good starting goalkeeper then as well. Yes. Um, um, one uh, possible transfer for Boca has been talked about recently on the Shouty programmes. Uh, Lucas Mirosha, who was, for my money, probably Defender of the Year uh, at Huracan. Again, his first name might not be Lucas. Yeah, just they, kind of they have just signed the Paraguayan centre-back Valdez. They have as well, yes. Um, but they lost Zambrano as well, Carlos yes. Zambrano. So it's probably an area they could... And Rojo is injured and yes, yeah. they have a lot of problems. It's an area they could use with building up because, let's face it, Boca don't attack. So they need to at least defend. Yeah, sure. So that's how um, going to continue to play, obviously. Obviously. Just going to remind everybody that, that shouldn't be happening. And the cost well. advances, and the, the, the trial advances. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, perhaps, but uh, until it does, anyway. Um, what's Racing's transfer window been like, Dan? Uh, it's been very exciting, but also a little bit nerve-wracking, because um, the two biggest signings, uh, two veterans with big names, um, but we're going to find out exactly what they can do. Maxi Morales has returned to prodigal son after years you know, in Vélez, in Russia, mm. in Mexico, in the United States. He's come back where it all began 
Um, and he's looked really good actually in the in a couple of games I've managed to see in pre-season and in Abu Dhabi. Lost none of that spark, the little the little man. Uh, the other one is um, just a real shot in the dark. Paulo Guerrero. Yeah, I was going to say. Thirty-nine years just young. Just got the squad list up here. Yeah, that caught my eye. I can't wait to see. Thirty-nine it, years young. The successor to the great Enzo Copetti, who has gone off to Charlotte, um, oh, the city, not the um, not the person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thirty-nine. I think he's played about six games in the last three years. Uh, but I think as long as he can stand on at least one leg and you can get him, get the ball to him in the area, he's going to get a few goals at least. Um, that is when he was fit, when he was when he was looking good, he was one of the best strikers in South America. He's, if sofa score has been relied upon, he seems to have been pretty much a regular player for Avaí. Uh, in the Brasileiro in the second relegated. half of last year but he didn't score any goals for them and, and uh, Avaí was relegated that's, I think that's why he finally decided to leave Brazil mm-hmm. yeah he's been saying he's uh, very much tempted with the with the with the promise of playing in the Libertadores um, I don't know I'm, I'm going to stay confident it's one of them signings that could look really really silly in about a month uh, but I'm going to choose to uh, stay optimistic uh, on the other side, um, Carlos Alcaraz has gone to Southampton, which was an interesting one. Yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at <laughs> back with Guerrero just for a second. I've yeah. just been looking down. He seems, if again, if Sofa score to be believed, then he's scored two goals since March 2021. Yes, uh, uh, which was when he came back from that really long injury, of course. And he also had this. The suspension, yeah. um, uh, suspension. That's right. And he hasn't um, been playing for the last three months because the Brasileirao is no, no Abahi, I don't know whether they play yeah. Brasileira. Mm. Finished because of the World Cup, and then well, of course, since October he. Yeah, I mean that that's something he shares with all of his teammates, really. Um, yeah, well, he'll need to go back in shape, I think. But anyway, Carlos Alcaraz has indeed joined Southampton. Yeah, and seems like an so interesting one. How I do you think that's going to go? Uh, I know Southampton seem to be doing quite terrible um, I don't think it'll make them any worse uh, but at the same time it's going to be tough for him I guess uh, yeah bottom right they're, if, not, if they're not bottom they're definitely bottom adjacent um, so we shall see um, on a second I can answer this very quickly yes, but, uh, yes they are bottom there we go and yeah, behind Everton on goal difference, which mm. says something. It definitely does. Um, um, yeah. And there's been a couple more. Uh, Nicolas Reñero and Hector Fertili are both returned from uh, line spells. Give a little bit more in attack. And I think the big promise is Juan Nardoni, who moved for something like $5 million. Um, the Alcaraz money, basically. The official Union. But the official dollar. Not the, At the official dollar. Yes. yes. Uh, only 20 years old, and so they seem to have a lot of confidence in him. Um, we need Tony here, really, to to tell us everything about this this young lad. But uh, yes. he looked alright um, against Boca. So I think the good thing, you know, uh, from Racing and Boca's viewpoint is that they're probably one of about three or possibly four clubs who are actually capable of te- keeping a team together in Argentina. You know, you're making three or four transfers, losing three or four players, instead of 
bringing in 12 and losing 15. Mm. Um, and that's a huge advantage and basically points to the fact that those three, obviously, Boca way up high, River a little bit further down, and Racing a little bit further down still. Um, economically, they're just in some, such ruder health than the rest of the league. Um, gives them a real advantage because they can keep these players together for years and years, um, keep yeah. the squad stable. Um, and that's a luxury probably 24 or 25 of the other clubs in the league just don't have. Um, so that's why I would be all shocked if those three finished out of the top five. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the exact order uh, will become apparent. Yeah. River, um, as you both corrected me when I uh, initially said that there weren't any, have the league's only world champion. Uh, and they've also brought back a couple of familiar faces. As you've just said, Dan, they, didn't, they haven't signed an awful lot of players, but they have signed Matthias Kranevita, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting, given that he never really managed to show what he was capable of in Europe. And I'll correct Fernandes. you again very quickly, Go on. because technically Paulo Guerrero is a world champion at club level. He won the Club World Cup for Corinthians oh, okay. over Chelsea back in 2012. Reigning world champions. <laughs> um, Sorry. And they've signed Nacho Fernandez back from... Uh, uh, Atletico Mineiro. Yeah. For family reasons, I believe. He was doing oh, well at yeah. Atletico yes. by all accounts, but yeah. I think he wanted yeah, to be closer. Uh, his wife is, is pregnant, I think. Oh. Uh, that's right, yeah. They wanted the kid to be born in Argentina. And apparently the, yeah, <laughs> the latest matches he played weren't that good. And the team didn't play good also, so it, were, it was a combination. Well, they needed somebody to, to come back in as... as, as my favourite player in the league as well because they've let Quintero go mm. yes. for some reason he will, just, just because he was absolutely awful last season he will replace him and, the and wanted a massive dollar salary yeah. it's, it's incredibly it's a pity the way because if you say if you uh, say yes there were there was an offer of a team that he couldn't uh, reject and, and the thing is that River couldn't pay him with dollars because he was already in Argentina yeah so as it's like a, as a taxis, I know how to put it, a physical, uh, his residence is in Argentina, so mm-hmm. he can't receive dollars as he's working for Argentinian team. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see, whereas if they, try, if, if they bring in a foreigner yes. from outside Argentina, now he could before, bring him back because he's at Colombia, uh-huh. junior, and if June 20 of the year, uh, he uh, says, well, I want to go back to River, finally. He, the River could do that because he, he will be a, a foreign citizen, we will say. Okay, well, Fernandez, Nacho's 33 now, so I guess it makes sense to an extent as well to come back. Oh, I, I was going to say home, but like obviously Gimnasio mm. really is home, but you know, to come back to a club that he obviously has some affection for. Uh, well, he can still do something for them. Anyway, there, as I said, I think he's going to be an interesting one. And I he's already broken. Yes, he's he missing the whole season. Uh, he did excruciates in a ridiculous friendly match oh, just before the New Year. Yeah. The oh, first that shows you what I know then, doesn't it? <laughs> the first friendly of the pre-season. Which uh, was before Friday. January the 1st, right? Yeah. It was before Jan- It was in December still. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Before Why? Uh, in the, the form- Part of the Gacharro farewell tour still? I don't know. Uh, they played the friendly against Union La Calera. I know why. Mm. And... The, the Chilean guys thought it was an official match or something like that and they played it very intensely in an intense way and one of the plays there was a guy who a player who, who went very badly with uh, over him and, and he broke his uh, uh, oh wow 
Mm. So he, he will have for, uh, I think, two or three months okay. recovery. Um, oh, so he's out for the league campaign rather than for the whole year? Yes, I correct. See. Okay. That's a little bit less dramatic than what I understood you to be saying. Sorry, no, I meant, um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean the whole year. The league, well, yeah. Still, yeah. Um, the other one, who is not showing up in this squad list on SofaScore, but who I did see mentioned on a television Chiron yesterday, have they signed Salomon Rondon? They have. How? How? And I mean, that's going to be interesting. Another, another free uh, possibility that uh, uh, it came to the to the uh, the Michelis uh, ears, and mm. he said, "Yes, okay, I uh, played with him in Malaga ten years ago, so I know him uh, ten years ago." But anyway, he knows, he thinks, he knows mm. what he can give for River, uh, similar to to Paulo Guerrero's recent campaign, he hasn't scored many goals. Yeah. I'm intrigued by this. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm gonna challenge Andres to a bet, a wager right here, right now. <laughs> Who is gonna score the most goals at Guerrero and Rondon? I'm gonna put a bottle of Fernet on the line to be paid after the final match of the season. If Guerrero wins, you owe me a Fernet. If Rondon wins, I owe you a Fernet. I mean, the, the thing is, I don't know whether or not we'll... I mean, that's the idea. <laughs> it wouldn't be much fun if you knew. Anyway, anyway, the Michelis has already said that he could play along with Warha at the same team uh, together, I mean. Feels like a very ponderous forward line. Mm. Um, they do have quite a similar scoring record, actually, because Rondon, it says here, scored between 2021-22 and obviously the first half of this season for Everton. He played 27 matches over the that season and a half in the Premier League and scored one goal. That's not very good. Um, he is admittedly coming to a league that's not quite got the same level of defenders. Um, but, yeah, it's not promising. The wager's on then, Sam, and our listeners, you're a witness. I'll tell you what. We will see what happens. Well, uh, Andres, are you actually going to do this? Are you, are you in agreement with him? Are you happy to enter the bet? Because if you're not, then I'll do it. How, for, how, for how uh, many times, how uh, it's... In May, June, that the league will finish. Uh, so I have time to, to save money. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how much we'll give you time. It's going to cost in May or yeah. June, yeah, don't we? Uh, let's see. The last round of matches is going to be. Oh, it keeps loading as I'm scrolling down. Hurry up. Uh, is the 30th of July. Ah, July. Oh. You've got plenty of time to save. Yeah, okay, yeah, save yeah, 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 Excellent. And a bottle of Fernet Branca by that point will probably only cost about. 7,000 pesos, <laughs> so uh, you'll be all right. Um, good. Well, so that covers the three teams who have a little bit of money. And also Enzo Diaz is another signing. Yeah, yeah. A, a former Tacheres, right? Uh, like, I think he's, he's good. he will be a good uh, uh, replacement for Casco if Casco doesn't play. Hmm. As, Asenso, eh, no, Enzo no. Eh, Elias Gomez, I think he finally will play for Racing. He's coming to Racing. And X Fernandez has moved uh, Boca, which also seems like a very astute piece of business because yeah. he was probably the best player against Racing in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Um, anyway, now that's the best. What about the rest? For, for these ones, I mean, uh, up until this point, I've just been looking at the squad lists and yeah. picking out new players. But now I'm going, to have, I'm going to put my phone down and I'm going to let, uh, I mean, Dan, I'm guessing due to your day job that you've kept up with this a little bit more than Andres might have done. Um, but both of you, really. Of the others, of, of the clubs who aren't, River, Boca, Racing, mm. uh, who's had the best transfer with Norma? I don't want to stick my neck out 
too far because they've hurt me before. And also because there are so many clubs to look at and try to compare those. Yeah, but I have one in mind. Go on. I've got a little bit of confidence, a little bit of faith in San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. That is a very brave Yeah. Come um, For two reasons. First, um, they actually finished the year very well under Rubén uh, Darío Insua. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they crept up possibly even to the top eight, top six. They, they finished well. Um, and they finished sixth. Sixth. Yeah. There we go. Goal difference ahead of Tigre. I thought it might have been sixth, but I wanted to hedge my bets a bit because I wasn't entirely sure. Um, they've managed to keep um, Adam Barreiro, the big burly Paraguayan striker who's been very, very important for them. Um, made a couple of astute signings as well. Um, and basically, yeah, joining just on the basis that they've kept their team together better than almost any team. And while it wasn't exactly a, a beautiful footballing side in Sua put together in the final half of the year, it was effective. They didn't concede many goals. Um, it's San Lorenzo, so most likely it will all come crashing down. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them um, make a run at it. Yeah. Um, while you were answering, I also remember that there is one other transfer that I am aware of, and that, unless this was a joke that you put in um, the Hand of Pop WhatsApp group, Luis Rodriguez. He is going... Moving clubs again. He never did this for like 12 years, and now it's doing it almost on an annual basis. He's going to Santiago del Estero, so yeah. he's getting closer to home. Um, he will be lining up this year for Central Córdoba. I mean, that's... He got a bit... That was big, yeah. Which means that, that he big. will play against the River on Saturday. Uh, but yeah. Central Cordoba, Santiago Lestero has, have, uh, talking about transfer, we know how to sign 18 players. They, 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 there were 25 players left and who left and, and 19 that uh, yeah. were signed. Well, they spent a bit of money. I think they have a lot of uh, backing from kind of the Santiago del Estero government. Like, mm. They're a team that, that's definitely on the up. Uh, Hmm? Is that allowed? I mean, clearly it is if they have. But I mean, it's very much a nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of thing because there was also tales of um, of Sergio Massa helping out Tigre when he was the mayor there, and mm. and that kind of you know, it's hard to you know draw the line you know, if the province is buying sponsorship and putting sure. up that and pumping money in. Especially when the where can you? Um, I mean, the national government want to try to. Increase um, domestic tourism as well. Yes, with especially particularly after the pandemic, but mm-hmm. uh, just more generally to, to try and get some money moving around when it's difficult to say no to things like tourist boards sponsoring football clubs and things. Absolutely, like that. absolutely. Um, but this segues us quite nicely into. Uh, it was entirely accidental. Mm-hmm. It was just something I remember while Dad was talking. Uh, but into talking about the relegation battle, because first of all, we can discuss the teams who are going to be in the relegation battle because. We have the Promedios table. So it makes it a lot easier, yeah. But also, because this season, there is going to be a team relegated not based on the Promedios. What? Yep, there are going to be. Heresy. The, the bottom two in the Promedios table will be relegated, and there will also be a third relegation, and that will just be from the annual table. So that will be the league plus the group stage of the Copa de la Liga. Um, the lowest down team in that mm-hmm. table who haven't finished in the bottom two of the 
Promedios will be getting relegated. I just had a quick look at the table and thought, oh, Villas are in a bit of trouble. But then, of course, I remembered they haven't played any games and that's just alphabetical. So that could Mm. well change. Yeah, uh, no, Vélez are 10th in the Promedios. So they have a full 18, 17 teams below them. Um, Question. Yes. If the team at the bottom of the annual table and one of the Promedios happens to be the same team, where do they go As I said, to get I mean, the next? It would be the, the lowest placed team in the annual table who have not been relegated via Promedio. Okay, so it could be the second bottom annual team, not the third yeah, bottom Yeah, or the third Promedio bottom team. annual team if the two bottom ones yes. end up yes, bottom yes, of Promedio, yeah. This will be a, a test for what should be, which is the annual table worst teams mm. to go relegated instead of the Promedios. Yeah, I, I think that they're... Especially after the lower divisions moved to just no promedios about must be about four or five years ago now, um, maybe a bit less, maybe three or four years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they're tr- they're planning to transition the promedios slowly out of existence now, from what I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, the other teams who are down in that fight, so Central Cordoba are twenty second in the twenty eight team table. Uh, Lanús uh, way down there in twenty third. Sarmiento, Platense, Arsenal, and of course. Currently with zero points from zero games each, are Belgrano and Instituto. That will change as they start picking up points. And if either of them or both of them get off to a good start, then the teams that I've just named are in serious trouble. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's the relegation battle. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because of the fact that there is going to be a team relegated as they should be relegated at long last yes. for the first time. But at first glance, you say Platense and Arsenal are really going to have to pull their fucking finger out. What have Lanús done in the in the transfer window? Do we know? Who have they signed? Um, like they've got any kind of. I mean, it all comes down to whether Pepe Sanz staying, right? Because when I look at those teams, you know, Lanús are the ones who stand out as being clearly, in in recent years, let's say over the history of Hand of Pot. Yeah. The others are all teams that you'd look at and go, yeah, they're going to be in a relegation battle. Lanús, bit bit surprising, to see them that far down. Obviously, it's not surprising for us because we've been following them for the last two or three years. But um, apparently, Pepe Sanz is still there. 42 yeah. years young, they're still going. Um, can't, they seem like they haven't done much, haven't brought in many players, but haven't lost any either. I mean, well, half of their team, yeah, half of their team's 23 and under, and the, and the other half is 35 and, and over. Mm. Um, it's a little bit of an unbalanced squad, to be fair. It's a bit like the, the donut that Australian Dan used to It's taken the donut really to is. the absolute... Um, Logical, logical extreme. I think yeah. um, it's going to be difficult for for Lanús again. I think um, whenever you're you're relying on a 42 year old striker and a 35 year old playmaker in Adaro Acosta. Was it? Who's the uh, the kid who was playing alongside Sand last year? Are you talking about the other Correntino? Yes, the, the he went um, the one who halfway made his through. Debut after Jose Sanz, uh, sorry, the one who was born after Jose Sanz scored his first professional goal. If you're talking about the guy, I think you are the one who actually scored a few goals for Lanús. He went to uh, Palmeiras last year. Ah, okay. If I, does, that rings a bell, actually. I love it. I have the, the transfer window for Lanús. There are a lot of massive. Oh, good grief! Uh, yeah. Incomes. <laughs> Don't read all of those out. But who are the main names that jump out? Well, apparently Lautaro Morales, the goalkeeper who was on loan uh, at News. Ah, so he's just come back from loan. This yeah. is really the really annoying thing about yes. Argentine transfer window roundups because they count loan returns as transfers. Um. Christian Lema 
from Jules de Center Back, okay. Jose Canale from Gold Cruz, Leandro Diaz, the striker, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a prick. He could do well. Back at Lanús. Adding some youth to the, uh, to the forward line, I say. Matias Esquivel from Talleres, Juan Sánchez Minio from Colón, oh. Pablo Aranda, oh, again, another loan that was known, Julián Fernández from News, Rodrigo Jiménez from Arsenal, uh, and, well, this is it for, for the signings. Then Monetti has left uh, to Peñarol, Nicolás Pasquini is free, Jonathan Cabral uh, to Atlético Tucumán, Claudio Spinelli, Matías Pérez, Lucas Baraldo, Darío Cáceres, Nicolás Taller, Nicolás Pas- again Pasquini, what they repeat Pasquini, Matías Donato, Franco Ortellado, Kevin Benítez, Matías Vera, Enzo López, Juan Pablo Krilanovich, Lucas Besosi, Gastón Lodico, and Recorrios Novo. That sounds to me like they brought in or brought back or brought back from loan some players who can help them out and just sent let go again. Yeah. quite a bit of Deadwood um, so I would expect them I mean they only have to be better than Platencia and Arsenal mm. which shouldn't be that hard it shouldn't be and yet mm. somehow uh, they weren't particularly good at managing it last yeah. season I mean well they did manage it last season but not by they were five points better off than Platencia uh, Arsenal obviously are not a difficult team to better that. Arsenal finished with 80 points from last year's uh, annual table, and Platense seem to be the second lowest points haul. Yep, uh, with 87. Mm. So Arsenal a very long way adrift and have a lot of ground to make up. Uh, oh, sorry, that's their total. It's not their last year's. Even uh, <laughs> worse. Arsenal is a team that you always it. think that they will be relegated and finally stay. This is true. Yeah. But yeah, Arsenal are on 80 points from 79 matches, which it doesn't take a mathematician to work out. It's fractionally more than one point per game. Platense 87 from 79, Sarmiento 89 from 79, Lanús 92 from 79. So there is uh, a five point gap between Platense and Lanús there. Um, but as ever, if one of them gets off to a good start, anybody can drop in and can be in trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be decided over. 42, 41 games. No, uh, 40 games, right? With the Liga and the yeah, and the Copa. Like that, yeah. Um, long, long way to go. Just above Central Cordoba, uh, Rosario Central and Banfield both on 96 points. Central Cordoba at 92, level with Lanús. Uh, and Godoy Cruz and Atlético Tucumán at 97. There is then another five-point jump to Union. So I think that, like, everybody up to Atlético Tucumán. If they have a disastrous season and the teams, a couple of teams below them have a good start, mm-hmm. could be in trouble. Union are probably safe, I would say. Union and Newell's yeah, you would think have so. to really shit the bed to, um, to end up getting dragged down into a relegation battle. What but a centre? As ever, Belgrano and Instituto have it all to. Mm. Uh, you know, they're going to be the ones who decide how many teams are going to end up being dragged into the relegation battle because if those two teams start well, start winning a few matches. They divide them by fewer points and they're mm. way up there and well out of the relegation battle right from the start of the season. Yes. Um, what a central, I ask. Because they were pretty crap last year. Is Carlos Tevez still managing? No. Them? No, he's not. Gone. No. Well, how about you tell us about what's happening at Central after I refill our glasses and we have a half time break? Oh, All right then. 38 minutes in now. That sounds minutes. okay. Cool, we'll do that. Don't go away.
Why is Carlos Tevez currently not at Rosario Central? Who has replaced him? And why does the person who has replaced him uh, hold particular interest for Panda Pod listeners and also just football trivia nerds? <laughs> Tevez is not at Central. To kick off with your first question, I assume just because it doesn't really stay anywhere very long if he can help it. Mm. Um, no, this I think he'd already said before the, the last season finished. Um, he'd had enough. They didn't bring in the players that he wanted, which is kind of understandable given that he he came in, in halfway through a season. Mm. I don't know exactly um, what he was expecting. Very good. Um, big signing now. Nawel has some sweets. Yes. So he's very happy with that. Um, so, Central have turned to the great Miguel Angel Russo for his fifth spell on the bench at Central. Yeah, his first began in 1997. Yeah. And remarkably, that was already eight years into his managerial career, so I've, I've just worked out that he has worked out by me, counting on my fingers, mm. uh, that he has managed in five different decades, uh, which isn't as impressive as playing in five different decades, but it still feels quite impressive. It's still pretty impressive, yeah. Um, and it's funny because, as I said to Sam during our little break, um, we were kind of not laughing at Russo, but laughing at the Russo ilk of coaches who just bounce from job to job um, on a merry-go-round with Aussie Dan all the way back in about 2010, 2011, mm. and he's still doing it um, a decade later. And fittingly, as you pointed out, he was Rosario Central manager, albeit in the second division. Uh, oh no, hang on a second. No, he wasn't, was he? Because we started recording in 2010. Yes. Not in 2012. Uh, so he was Racing manager when we started recording. Or just about to take the Racing job, yeah. Possibly, yes. Does it say when he took that job? Uh, between 2010 and 2011. Oh, that's disappointing. Mm. It doesn't give the actual date that he took the job, so we can't work it out. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Anyway, reasons to be... I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch Centrale this year. Um, because uh, we haven't mentioned it yet on the podcast, but we mentioned it during one of the extras, which hopefully Sam managed to get up in time. They've all been uploaded, and they were all set to upload, and there is going to be one that's got, not gone online yet because it's going to be gone on the 30th of January but the others because it was the uh, things that happened on the 30th of January yeah. extra episode but the others have all already gone online so if you're a Patreon listener supporter you can uh, go and listen to them and if you're not then you can go and sign up at patreon.com slash handapod and we've given you four extra episodes this month one of which is still to go online great work Sam uh, and if you look at the Suramericano squads You'll see in the Argentina one that it has a very, very strong contingent from Central. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look at the exact Len, numbers now. Len but no, yes, um, he's not at Central and he's not of in the Suramericano yeah, anymore so. because he uh, unfortunately suffered a fairly horrible uh, head injury mm. in their first game, which um, has led to him being been ruled out and he's now gone to England to carry on his uh, his recovery why why to England because that's where he plays football now for Brighton 
I completely missed Brighton signing him. Anyway, they've got a yeah. cracking young player. Oh, well, I didn't miss No, that does ring a bell, actually, now you said it. Yes. This shows you just how much attention I pay to transfer you, news generally. That aside from Buonanotte, uh, Central have a title of one, two, you know the, 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 Which is the problem, the diagnosis of the, of the problem he had, or, or is... A head injury. Ah. Yeah. Mm. Like trauma, yeah. traumatism, yeah. That's head trauma. Yes, I can imagine. Um, so, yeah. And apart from Buonanotte, Central also have three other youngsters um, active at the moment in the Sudamericana. Gino Infantino and Alejo Vélez, who... Sorry, but every time anybody says Gino Infantino's name, I just think... And he's called mm. yesterday so to make Argentinian survive. He did, he's got a crucial goal. We'll probably talk about the Sudamericano in a little bit, right? Um, yes, we will, yes. yes. Uh, both of them have seen a lot of first team action and another guy the fantastically named Ulises Ciccioli a uh, young defender so those three and there are a few other very uh, very promising youngsters in the Central team that you know once obviously um, the fact that this tournament kicks off while the Sudamericano is still going on isn't ideal for Central no, it's kind of unusual as well, right? Because I feel like the league season... I don't feel like the league season used to start in February. The league season did used to start on like the second weekend of February. Yes. And by that point, the Sudamericano's normally finished. Uh, it's in the latter stages of or the maybe, final stage. Yeah. So they might miss two weeks, but in this case they're going to miss yeah, four or possibly five weeks. Unless Argentina go home, as we'll, mm. as we'll talk about very soon. But apart from that, they've made a couple of interesting signings... Um, Kind of on the same, on the same line, keeping the squad young. Alambra Rodriguez, a Paraguayan midfielder, is coming from Cerro Porteño, 22 years old. They've brought in Lucas Rodriguez from Independiente on a free transfer, and he tends Sorry, yeah, to. I got confused that I was thinking, hang on, not Luis Rodriguez. No, someone else. And tends, uh, yeah, he tends to stand out when um, yeah. when Independiente play well. Uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty interesting signing. Haven't lost anyone, didn't have a huge amount to lose in the first place. So if Russo can make this young team click and, and get them going, I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but I think they've got enough about them to, to stay clear of relegation. Yeah. Maybe even um, a cheeky Sudamericana qualification bid. It's going to be interesting. Definitely a lot of young talent, a lot, um, lot of potential there. Uh, always... Risky, of course, to just rely on, rely on the kids to, to come through, but it's going to be a team worth watching, mm. I'd say. Yeah, and it's, as you said, it's an interesting one because he's one of the last hangovers from the Aussie Dan era of Hand of Pod and, and the, uh, the complaints that Argentine, especially big Argentine clubs, just had this rotating door mm. of the same five or six managers seeming to just swap the jobs between them. And yet also... Russo, it's unlikely to be pretty to mm. watch his teams, but I feel like he was a little bit more capable of uh, adapting to especially maybe the younger players in the squads and, and to playing something a little bit more mm. by Argentine league standards resembling modern football um, than some of his contemporaries. Ronaldo Melo springs to mind, Mostassa. Um, and Fio Basilin. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah. Of, if I had to watch a team today managed by any of that generation, I think <laughs> I would probably choose to watch one of his teams. Right. Um, 
or at least I would back them to, to do reasonably in a modern championship and we're going to find out now but I think well, he's yeah. the, only, the only one who from that uh, time that he that is actually a coach because Mer Merlon Basile are not uh, no exactly yeah, yeah. All of probably in my last man standing yeah I mean he, he's probably a little bit younger than that actually because he's 66 and I'm guessing Merlon and Basile must be I mean, 70, right? like, Basile was not a teenager when Racing won back in 67, so you'd have to peg him at least 80. Basile is 79. Oh, so very close, Dan. Well done. So, so yeah, quite a lot older. Merlo's a bit younger. Yeah. Merlo's more Russo's age, but also older. Because he uh, was active in the 70s and 80s, right? Right, Merlo, Merlo is born 1950, 72, so he's six yeah. years older. So, yeah, kind of a bit. He looks like he's uh, younger than that. That's the hair dye. Yes. yes. <laughs> That'll do it, yeah. <laughs> and they're clean living, um, of course. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Central, anyway. Um, and see what they can do. Um, do we have any other bits and pieces to mop up for the domestic league? I mean, obviously there are a whole, like, bloody 20 clubs or something that we haven't even mentioned in yeah. this preview, and we're not previewing in any great depth. But there are also, that's what's going to happen when you've got a 28-team first division and most of the teams are fairly unordinary. Possibly worth mentioning Independiente, A, because they're the only grande we haven't, and B, because they've had a fairly eventful... Um, Pre-season. Yeah, I was going to say we should mention Independiente and we should also, perhaps if either of you have any opinions, discuss uh, Huracan, who did after all finish fourth last season. And that let to go out and finish sixth. Uh, fifth, sorry. And in terms of signings, sorry, son, but Independiente have signed Santiago Ascasibar and Guido Carrillo. Oh, okay, Ascasibar coming back. Uh, number five, yes. Uh, Another, a bit like I said about Cranavita earlier, he never really similar, yes. did very much show his promise in Europe, but um, okay. I think he played more in Europe, but uh, mm. and he yeah, but I mean, he never. When when he went to Europe, I thought he was going to be one of the next big things, yes. and it's just that hasn't happened. Um, yes, so that's going to be interesting. No, I know whether he thinks he's like uh, well, I will go back to Argentina and this is it, mm. or he's trying to re release his his career. But uh, him and Garisho, I think Garisho also was also linked to for for River Boca other teams. And finally, it's back at the Estudiantes. Scasibar is on loan from Hector. He's still only 25, so uh, if he does well, oh, then he could. Now, Bustos is back at Tacheres also. It's a, a spicy striker. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that could be good. Um, Huracan, any thoughts? They lost Franco Cristallo. It looks like they're going to lose Mirosha. Uh, going to be very tough to... Last year was a very strange one for Rakan in that even though they've been doing well all year, it's still every time you watch them felt slightly surprising that they were continuing to do well. Yes. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be. Is Cocaro still there? The Uruguayans, the one who signed the goals with the Zorro. Matias Cocaro. Yes. The yes. The, the 1940s throwback. Yeah. Tango singer moustache. Uh, yes, he is still there. Uh, they still have a chance. Uh, Cristallo's going to be a big loss, though. 
Yeah. He was very, very good. Would agree. And Atletico Tucumán, Dan, the, the other club who are not at all, of course, close to your heart. Because mm. uh, if I'm remembering correctly, your partner's family are San Martín fans. Correct. So standing right next Correct. to me, I said that, so I really right. <laughs> you got it right. Um, pretty much in the same boat as um, as Huracan, I think. Lost a lot of players, I think. 15, 15 new players in, 15 mm. out. Um, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if they managed to have even um, a quarter as good a season anyway, they, I think as they that did last time. For Atletico Tucumán, uh, and like not so many times, the, the coach was, I think, more important than the players because Pusineri... They've kept the same coach as well, yes. which is which is big, yeah. yeah. Uh, just looking at a couple of the players, Mauro Osores, never heard of him. Hernández La Fuente rings a bell, possibly... Former Vélez, I think. Yeah, and one of those Vélez kids who are supposed to be world beaters and never are quite. They look great for Vélez, yeah. and then they leave Vélez. They lost Gaston Gil and Romero, who was very important last year. Ciro Ruiz has gone to Central Córdoba. Okay. Interesting. Luis Sojeda, goalkeeper? Ex-Argentina's goalkeeper, possibly? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Joaquin Pereira. Ah, Joaquin Pereira from Central. Could be interesting. Um, and they have a... La, uh, Carlos Lampe, Bolivia number one in Boca Juniors legend. He's gone back home to Bolivar mm. after having a very, very good season for, yeah. for Atletico. That's going to be a big loss. Uh, and I believe Augusto Lotti as well. Um, has moved on to Fresh Pastures, uh, who was very important in attack. So they've lost a handful of very important players. Um, they should have enough, you know, mid-table, pretty much what's expected, uh, yeah. but I can't see another title. They will make sure Boca, as a preview, it will be complicated, but Boca will not have the lot of, I mean, it's said that the, I think the, one of the centre-backs will be a debutant because of the problems that Dan mentioned before. Mm. The injuries with Marco Rojo, I think also the... Oh, well, the pocket centre-backs. Yeah, yes. 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 Um, so, anyway, you believe against Boca, the Bomonera in the first round, and of course it's, it's complicated. Mm. Yeah. At the same time, if you get a good result, yes. that could end up being the spring ball for the season. And if you don't get a good result, then... My pressure, well, so really, yeah. Um, moving on to... The Sudamericano Sub-20, since we've mm -hmm. already mentioned it a little bit, it's becoming increasingly hard not to bring it into conversation. Um, we did preview it, that preview went online for our Patreon listeners on the day that the tournament kicked off, which was Thursday last week. Uh, obviously I actually uploaded it about two weeks ago, or two and a half weeks ago or something, which is why I'm struggling to remember exactly what day it was. Um, we were quietly optimistic about Argentina's chances, and so far, Turns out that we might have put a little bit too much faith in Javier Mascherano's managerial abilities. Um, how's it gone so far? Really, really, really bad, mm. and then a little bit better. Uh, tiny bit of daylight at the end of the tunnel. Tiny bit We're of hoping daylight, it's yeah. daylight. It might turn out to be the headlight of an onrushing train. Very true, very true. Uh, Argentina opened their campaign with a 2-1 defeat at the hands of Paraguay. And followed it up by losing 3-1 to Brazil. Mm. Uh, if you had to kind of set 
an idea of how Argentina have been playing, of where it's been going wrong. Uh, you probably point to two things really. One, trying to play very tight, very uh, sh- kind of passing football on pitches, which have been an absolute fucking disgrace. Yeah. Uh, which hasn't done them any favours. And two, the biggest one, just the worst defending you've seen since Machirano was a player in the Argentina team. Hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I'd, I'd say childish say, mistakes. I'd, I'd say defending that you would never have seen if Javier Machirano were actually playing for them. Uh, apart from when Diego Maradona was managing. Maybe. Just, you know, you can almost say childish mistakes, but then they are children. Yeah. So, toddler mistakes. Um, I, I do feel kind of watching. Obviously, uh, every team in the in the competition is, is suffering from this to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, from having their very best players being playing for big European teams mm. and not even not not they're not eligible for the competition, but just they're never going to be released. There's no yeah. point even calling them up. But it does feel like, say, Brazil. I've got a few more. Whereas Argentina, you've got—I mean, obviously the the six foreigners who who were called up in like March or April last year for the senior national side, you know, Alejandro Garnacho, uh, Matias Soleil, and and, and the others—all um, of them would be eligible for this tournament. And you've got to think if they were playing, Argentina would have stood a better chance than. than with oh the yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They did get one Nico Bas, mm. who Macherano inexplicably dropped for the second match against uh, Brazil uh, paid the price for it really because he does look really really good um, I mean it's always difficult obviously I think there was no chance ever of getting Garnacho because of you know he's playing yeah, for, he uh, United play for the first thing so late playing for Juventus but, but still there is talent in this team um, I don't think we we overrated it in saying that they, they had a ha, had a decent chance of um, going far. They still do technically, um, but they've just been let down by some pretty uninspired coaching. I think so far, probably understandable since this yeah. is uh, Machado's first job. And again, as I said, just, just some shocking mistakes. You know, carrying the ball out from defence and almost being tackled by the pitch on on multiple occasions. Um, just not what you need, and um, I think the best teams in this in this tournament so far: Uruguay, and then Paraguay, and Brazil. The teams that have stood out. They just really kept it simple, played direct, using using their pace, and um, not doing anything too too complicated. And that's often the way in um, in age group football because you have a couple of players with a physical advantage, and it really is an advantage. Um, Argentina have that they have uh, Velis who's a man mountain for a for a 19 year old up front and was bullying Primera División defences about two months ago yeah. but he's not really had the chance really had any um, time on the ball to, or chances to, to make his name um, there have been a couple of players who've, who've stood out um, Santiago I want to say Castro has probably been one of the pick of the bunch for me, especially in the Paraguay game. The Vélez forward who's been playing on the left um, in our first game, he was really very good. Nico Bass, 
Julian Fernandez, the other Vélez. Julian Fernandez, he's also come off the bench, he hasn't seemed to to play that much. um. The thing is that there is only two days of rest between one match and the other. Yeah, it's very very full on, of course. um. But there's still life, all you have to do now is is go and beat the host, Colombia. That will be on Friday, I assume this might go up before then. Yeah, this will go up tonight. Lovely, so if you listen to it very... Promptly, you'll, um, that match you'll hear it before it actually yeah, happens. That match is at nine thirty Argentine time, which Colombia two hours behind, right? So that's correct. Uh, Seven thirty Colombia time, which is also Eastern Seaboard time if yes. you're in the United States. And half past midnight. Exactly half past GMT. midnight. Uh, in, in technically speaking, Saturday morning. Yes. Uh, if you're in the the thing is that the two goals scored by Argentina were both from centre midfielders, and well, Argentina mm-hmm. was also. Mm-hmm. Santa midfielder, yeah. with, because it was Perone and, and well and Infandino yesterday. Yeah, slightly, no, slightly more forward-looking central midfield was the Mascherano. Mm-hmm. I think Mascherano scored twice for Argentina. No, three yeah. times. Two of them were in the same match. Mm-hmm. In the, I want to say 2009 Copa America. 2007. And I think there was one really. other one, but I can't remember when. It might have been 2007, yes. yeah. Because um, yeah, there wasn't a Copa America in 2009. Of course there wasn't, no. Um, The other uh, thing that I was going to say is that it has been a little bit of a step up in terms of the opponents that Argentina under-20s have faced under Javier Mascherano. Um, Because up to this point, they played in the Toulon tournament, which of course they won. Mm -hmm. um, Actually, did they win it? You said it and I believed you. No, 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 they they didn't win it, sorry. Ah. uh, They ended up finishing... Uh, oh, no, they went out in the group stage, they finished yeah. 30, I don't know. It's a long way of winning. Uh, Alcudia, anyway, you possibly... They didn't quite well. They played, uh, they, they got a 1-0 win over Saudi Arabia under 20s, a 1-0 win over Panama under 23s, which, you know, they're allowed to call up players three years older, so I guess that's good. And then a 6-2 defeat to France under 20s, who were the host nation, in fairness. And, you uh, can see where they went wrong, right? Yeah. Beating Saudi Arabia. Indeed. Everyone knows that... You've got to lose to, to win Saudi a, Arabia first. Uh, you? you have to lose to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. In the placement matches, at the, ah, this is why I thought they'd won it, because their last match, which I thought must have thought was the final, because whoever pays attention to the reporting on the Toulon tournament, uh, they won it, but it was a placement match. Uh, they beat Japan under-19s 3-2. They, they beat um, Unión Deportiva Alcira, Spanish club, 1-0 in friendly. And then they played friendlies against Brazil, drew 1-1 at home. Uh, Uzbekistan drew, uh, beat 1-2-0. This says away, but I can't think they played in Uzbekistan, did they? Where, where was this played? Probably It doesn't tell us what the venue was, that's annoying. Um, and lost 1-0 to Chile. So those are in friendlies in October. Um, so it's been a bit of a step up from the sort of no offence to Saudi Arabia and Panama, but they're not, and Uzbekistan, but none of them are the youth football, you know, hotbeds, factories, yes. churning out hot young players that not South American traditionally, no. um, and obviously Argentina wants to be one of the, and, and indeed is really, one of the South America's strongest such conveyor belts, mm-hmm. um, but you don't always get to play those players in the Sudamericano or Sudamente if they're already off in Europe playing for clubs who are stronger than the Federation. No. Um, so there's an extent to which, obviously, we can blame Mascherano for maybe being a little bit too ambitious as a manager, for 
I learned, he's obviously only a very young manager as well. He's, he's got a lot of learning to do and no doubt he will do. Um, but there's also an extent to which you can kind of go, well, uh, they're hamstrung as well, in a way, by having such a good youth system that actually they can't end up calling up the best players. Because as you say, they could have tried to call up Garnacho and the result would have just been laughter. I mean, Pretty much, yeah. Maybe for the World Cup the if they get there, but it's yeah. a big effort. The thing is, the same for several other players. Some of those kids will sooner or later be called up for the national, mm. main national thing. Exactly, yeah. I mean, there's serious talk about Garnacho being in the, in the call-ups for the March friendlies because all of these players, in the ones with dual nationality especially, have got to play for Argentina four times before their 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they tie them down, apparently. Now. Uh, and there are much others, which I think uh, Santi uh, mentioned in the article he wrote for La in which uh, there, were, there are a lot of players still not called up, that weren't called up, but they are being followed up by this scouting office Argentina has in Spain. Mm. Um, on the subject of Garnacho, no, it does seem like he's committed to Argentina because I think it was yeah, in the yes. Brazil game. Um, he was watching the under twenty match at like three in the morning in um, in Manchester and cheering him on. So if that's not committed to to your your country, I don't know what is. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, he, he's he's said to everybody that that he wants to play for Argentina as well. Uh-huh. Uh, he's not quite as committed just at the moment. To Manchester United, but uh, everybody's <laughs> hopeful that he will end up signing a new contract. Um, yeah. Well, everybody at Manchester United oh, right. who supports Manchester United. Um, and uh, the, the situation with the Sudamericano is that Argentina are currently in fourth place. Uh, they need to beat Colombia. That's it. They need to beat Colombia. Yeah. No other variables. If they do, then they would go to. Point. Oh, I see. So it would then be to decide who the best third place team are, right? No, the top three from each group go into the final phase. Top, oh, okay. This is the top two from Group A. That is not so I was thinking there must be a third place. But yes, of course, it is, it's the final group of six. I think players. that's showing that Brazil and Paraguay teams. are already qualified. Yes. Ah, uh, that could be it, yeah. Um, so yeah, Brazil and Paraguay, as Dan says, both on seven points, have both qualified already, ahead of presumably playing each other in that case, right? They will play each other in their yes, final round. Correct. Um, and in the other group, Uruguay uh, are through. They've got maximum points. They're the only team in the competition with three wins from three matches. Uh, Ecuador are currently playing and are currently losing to Venezuela. Do you want to put you say on that so we can watch that? It's not. On. They're only showing it uh, deferred. Oh, that's not. As they say, they're showing a game of Argentine volleyball. Anyway, Venezuela are currently beating Ecuador. We can watch Argentine volleyball and Which is quite funny. Um, but at the moment, Uruguay and Ecuador are the first of the top two teams in Group B. Uh, Chile and Bolivia have four points and three points. And as it stands, if Venezuela do win this match, they will have three points. So Group B is really tight. Bolivia are out because they've played all the matches. Well, of course, yes. out three. Uh, but yeah, Venezuela, Chile or Ecuador could end up taking the other spot. Although, Venezuela... Spots. Oh, hang on. Spots. Yes, you're quite right. Uh, Ecuador have got to play Uruguay. So it might depend on how much Uruguay can be bothered. Um, but The rest of their entire team if they've play, been playing every two days. We will, of course, be keeping you up to date with this over the next uh, couple of weeks of episodes. Shall we do some business questions? Yes. I think I have one from email. Okay. Uh, 
a week or two ago. So let's see whether I can find it now on my telephone. Um, I'm sure I did. I've deliberately left it unread as well. So can I? Well, God, I've had a lot of emails. Here we go. Pete Sharland, question for the next pod. Hola, Sam. I hope you and your family are well. Thank you, Pete. They are. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Over the past few months, I've read a lot. He, he, by the way, I'm just gonna, I can't remember when this is at all relevant, but he sent this on the 4th of January. I've read a lot, admittedly, using Google Translate from Portuguese on the proposed new structure of the Brazilian League. Now I've come across an English article in the FT. Ah. Now, I'm going to have to admit, Pete, that I did not click this link at any point, so I've not read this. I was wondering in the next pod, when you're back from the break, if you could possibly talk about this. I'd be interested to know, this is the bit that's relevant to us, uh, what the reaction, if any, is in Argentina, and whether you're worried about the potential impact it might have in terms of seeing Brazilian clubs pull further away from the rest of the pack. Have either of you heard about the changes to the structure of the Brazilian League? I read about it many, many moons ago, but I can't remember for the life of me what it's about. Um, which probably tells you about just about how much reaction there's been in Argentina. Zero. Yes, indeed, yeah. I mean, because I, I no lost. one in Argentina cares about domestic... Brazilian football. This is pretty much the first time that I have read uh, your email, Pete, because I saw it was a question for the podcast, and as I said, I left it unread as a result. Um, but yeah, it, so this. Yeah, you want to, to Which brings us to another interesting point, or I think um, about how South Americans consume um, football, right? Because the average Argentine knows a lot more probably about the Premier League, about La Liga. Uh, than they do about Brazilian football, let alone mm. Uruguay, Paraguay, Colombia, yeah. um, which are pretty much blank spaces on the map until they have to play each other in uh, Libertadores, and then people pretty much assume that a Brazilian team is going to be difficult to beat, a Bolivian team not in La Paz is going to be easy to beat, and it's a sliding scale from there. Um, it's very much a case that very few countries in South America pay attention to each other's football and anything outside of the country is Europe yeah yeah I get the impression that there are maybe Colombians seem to be big into Argentine football at least whatever and possibly Uruguay um, uh, yeah I mean more, Uruguay um, certainly at least the few nights that I've spent in Uruguay yeah. over the course of my life it seems quite difficult to avoid the Argentine league there for but then there are a lot of Argentines in Uruguay and a lot of Uruguayans in Argentina um Football-wise, and also population-wise. No, I'm talking about Argentine tourists always in Uruguay demanding that their teams are uh, Um, shown. I have now clicked the link uh, that was sent, and it seems to be talking about a Premier League-style breakaway for the top Ah, that was it, yeah. I think the structural calendar will change. So more of a financial and and sponsorship structure than anything else. Um, I mean... They're already miles ahead. The, the, there's a quote from here from Lawrence McGrath, co-founder of Cordagias Sports Capital, uh-huh. um, who says, our vision is that in 10 years we can reach the French League in terms of overall revenues. Now, I can't imagine that that's going to change an awful lot in terms of the dynamics of continental South American football too much, because Brazil is already, by a long way, the richest country on the continent. It's winner of the last four, Libertadores? What River won the last one by an Argentine club, yes. and that was a good 2019, 2020. Yes, Flamengo got two, Palmeiras got two, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, except for River, they had the, the, the 
previous one was Gremio. So Gremio, yeah. River, and then four straight Brazilian. Mm -hmm. And of course, they've got a national team that uh, fully backs that up and really humiliating as Argentine football fans looking at the oh, success yeah. of the Brazilian national team. Oh no, hang on. Never go missing in the big matches. But anyway, sorry, we're obviously talking about club football. I just, <laughs> but the Supercopa uh, Internacional played by Argentinian teams will be held for two, four years, I think. Yeah, and they'll be getting a million dollars each time. I mean, it's, yes, nothing. It's nothing, is it, really? Um, for selling out. Okay, it's a, it's a completely meaningless competition that they essentially <laughs> made up because... Um, you know, I, I think it's to be applauded. It's kind of <laughs> classic Argentine. It's much, it's much better than say Italy or Spain going. Yeah, we'll play the our actual existing. Yeah, super their hundred centenary competitions. Just yeah, Argentine people coming to Argentina. The AFA come along. We'll just invent a new competition, pretend it means something, sell it to you for ten million. The yeah, uh, as the same. And goes. the stadium was but not crowded, of course, and. The time, because it was, <laughs> and the time in which it was played in Argentina was 12 p, 12 a.m. Uh, sorry, yes, mm. in, in, by noon, it's really, yeah. really difficult for. for yeah, yeah, it was very early, wasn't it? It was like yes. the second half was being played while I was sitting down for lunch or something. Mm. It was bizarre. 12:30 kickoff, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it doesn't change. I don't think it will change an awful lot. That Brazil have already they've already got the strongest league. They've already got the richest league. And if there's a little bit more money there, then okay, fine. But if they're planning to bring in the same revenue as the French League, really it's still just going to be the same dynamic as it is at the moment, which is if you're not quite good enough to go to Europe and you're Argentine, then you'll go to Brazil. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll go to Brazil and you'll earn a bit more money, but I don't think it'll... Obviously, you know, this might blow up in our faces and I might be proved completely wrong by this and Brazil might end up winning the next 50 Copas Libertadores in a row and uh, everybody else might drop away but uh, I wouldn't be too worried about it for the moment <coughs> especially because as we've just said talking about the Sudamericanos so many of the other clubs on the continent have got these conveyor belts of talent mm. that it's just okay one really great looking 19 year old leaves and another one even better comes up to fill his spot for the next 12 months and then goes off to you and they're almost all called Rodrigo or Pedro just Conveyor belt of Pedro, Pedros and Rodrigo's really. Indeed, yeah. Um, Pete continues, while I'm enjoying a football manager as an added challenge when managing in South America, I do worry about what might happen in terms of competitive balance in the Libertadores in particular. Again, don't worry too much. I mean, football manager may or may not reflect real life. In real life, I think that, as I continue to think it's going to happen, with the current situation anyway, it might take a year or two, but I think Argentine times will be competitors again. Yeah, Even if it's just a year or two, and then it'll just end up being, being River being competitive again. Mm. Um, it's always swings and roundabouts, as, as, as you say. It's always it's the same with the Champions League. You know, you'll get a, a, a phase where Real Madrid or one Spanish club or another end up winning it three years in a row, and then he goes to Germany, and people go, "Oh, German football is now really dominant," and then English football manages to you know Liverpool and Chelsea and whoever else managed to win a couple in a row and people go oh is the rest of Europe ever going to stand a chance again and then Italian clubs somehow become good again that's not going to happen for a while but still um, yeah anyway thank you very much for your email Pete if anybody ever wants to email questions if you're not on Twitter then please do but we shall now move to Twitter mm. where we have had a couple of questions a couple of questions just a couple of questions one of them is incredibly easy 
Uh, to answer. Gauchor Dosse, he's not even asked a question. He's just said, tell me Varela isn't linked to Bournemouth. Okay. Varela isn't linked to Bournemouth? There you go, Dan's just done it. I, I guess he's a Gaucho fan supporter, Boca supporter. Mm. Yes, uh, given that he's called Gaucho Dosse, I think he might very well be. Um, what is this story about? I'm assuming that Varela's been linked to Bournemouth. I guess. Okay, good. And John Wilson says, when will the AFA... This is not Jonathan Wilson, by the way. It's just John Wilson. John with an H. Not that he's any less important to us. He listens to us, and therefore he is several times more important than Jonathan Wilson. Absolutely. When will the AFA ever start to contemplate reducing the number of clubs in the top division to a manageable number? Well, John, they might just be doing it. Really? They continue to talk about it. Don't know how many promotions are planned from B Nacional. Uh, Sorry, from Primera Nacional this year. Do you want to quickly look that up, John? What's that? How many promotions are going to be from Primera Nacional in 2023? Actually, uh, just to curse me, I could look this up on Sofa Score quite quickly. I assume three. So you assume going to end up. But if it's an not odd number, three, although that would, if it's two, then that would give us an odd number of. Um, oh, it's not got positions. Oh, shit, that's what it says. Yeah, I'll find it for you. I'll let so. you Google it. Yeah. It would um, have to be one in order for us to have an even number of sides. 26 teams next season there will be two promotions two oh, that means that next year someone's going to end up with a week off every season every, every there are going to be no, 27 week. teams why okay but still there you go that's the answer to the question uh, the answer is that over the next few years they're presumably going to continue to do the same thing don't entirely rule out that in like May Cheeky Tapia might come out with a press release saying we're going to promote a third team from the Premier Nacional. So it's going to be or just take away a relegation place. We're going to promote five teams from no, the Premier Nacional. So next year there are 30, 37 teams, yeah. but for next season there will be 36 because yeah. there will be three relegations and yeah. two promotions. 37 teams playing for two promotion spots, three relegations. Yeah. Remember this, if, you, if you're English especially, remember this the next time you, you're in the pub and somebody tells you that the championship is the hardest division to get promoted from in the world. Uh, Primera Nacional has, has got it beat. It's also like the hardest to get relegated from. It's just yeah. football purgatory, basically. If you're in there, then unless you you're do absolutely awful or spectacularly, you're in there for life. Just uh, like Chaco Forever. Indeed, that's why they're called that. They yeah, I think I've just gone up this year, or possibly last year, but it's very exciting. Absolutely. Think, so we can say the forever refers now to their spell in the Primera Nacional. Oh, they're in the Primera Nacional? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And they will never, they've been, ever they've been in the third division forever. They have. Well, now, and now they've been in the Primera Nacional forever. And they're playing, oh, their first match against Deportivo Maipú. Huh? Diego Maradona's former club. Or we should say one of Diego Maradona's several Former My clubs. Deportivo Maipú? Yeah. When did he play for Deportivo Maipú? He didn't play for them, he managed them. Well, he, he managed Textil Mandishu. Oh, my Mandishu. That was Deportivo oh, Mandishu. Yes. Damn it. It's these yeah. ones with an accent over the U confused oh, me. Oh, dear, Sam. Oh, dear. I stretched a bit too far and I ended up embarrassing myself. Dear, idea. As happens every week on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, you continue to come back and listen to it and we continue to love you for it. And I think that we have now reached a lateral conclusion. We're not going to do Mystic Sam? No, oh, of course we're going to do Mystic oh. Sam. We have no more listeners' questions. Um, but if you're patient enough to listen through this next piece of theme music, you'll hear my predictions for the opening weekend.
here we go then. Rosario Central versus Argentinos Juniors and Defensa Inuticia versus Huracan are the first two matches uh, played one after the other on Friday evening. I think that they're going to end in a draw between Central and Argentinos and an Huracan win. On Saturday, San Lorenzo versus Arsenal will be a San Lorenzo win. Tacheres versus Independiente is a Tacheres win. Do bear in mind that I paid no attention at all to any friendly <laughs> results or. I mean, you've heard exactly how much attention Not that it matters. To transfer and stuff. Um, Estudiantes versus Tigre, I think, will be a draw. Central Cordoba versus River will be a draw as well, with Luis Rodriguez scoring for Central Cordoba. Um, on Sunday, Platense versus Newells is uh, mm, Platense win. Racing will beat Belgrano in the Cilindro. Colón will lose to Lanús, I think, uh, in Santa Fe. And Instituto, in their return to the top flight, will beat Sarmiento. Those two matches are played at the same time. Uh, before Boca host Atletico Tucumán in the Bombonera, as I already said, as we said earlier, this could be a match that defines how Atletico Tucumán look at the season. I think it's going to be a draw. No, I don't. No. No. First match of the season, I think Boca will win it. Um, and then on Monday, Barracas Central versus Godoy Cruz, I think is a Barracas Central win. Venice versus Gimnasia is a Venice win. And Banfield versus Union is a draw. Some pretty tasty fixes there, I must say. Mm. Yeah, some interesting looking ones, right? Yeah. Central Cordoba versus River, perhaps a bit more tasty due to Luis Rodriguez's presence. And will be, will be official be debut for Martina Michelis. Of course, yeah, who's, who's had, a, I think, some pretty good results, right, in yes. pre-season. Conceded only one goal and, and won most of them. Yeah. I don't think it's quite funny, the, that fact of um, Di Michelis' debut after eight, nine years of Gacharra, completely overshadowed mm. by Luis Erpulga. Oh, totally. No, the only storyline, really, worth following in Santiago de Estero this Saturday evening. Yeah, the advantage that, uh, that Di Michelis has uh, after uh, against Luis Rodriguez is that he played more for the national team than the Pulga. True. But That's not true. difficult though. <laughs> <laughs> Can I press you on a prediction for champion, Sam? Oh, at this early stage. Use your mystic abilities. I mean, what does your heart say? Obviously, the we can all hazard one if you want. We. You said very close to the top of the episode who the three favourites were going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to look beyond them. And as a result of that, I think that so much of it is going to depend on the completely unknown quantity of how good a manager Demi Chavis is going to turn out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say that I'm going to go for a river. I, I think he's going to hit the ground running. In spite of the fact that I just predicted the draw in his first match. <laughs> uh, I think that... But then the other 27 kind of, games are not exactly, against... Yeah, no, in, in the, in the medium term. They start playing uh, twice well. as a away condition. Mm-hmm. Only a, a third round will be the first one in home condition. Yeah. And Belgrano is, I think, will be tough. Because on the second round they play Belgrano in Cordoba. So. Yeah. Andres, who is going to win the league this year? Yes, I, I will. It's, of course, desire, but I, I think River will, will be there. 
Fair enough. And downhill easing. It is my completely unbiased opinion <laughs> that this will be Racing's year. Again. Coming so close. After it's already been Racing's year because you already won the Super Cup. Yes, Ivan Pichuri is going to get that six star on his <laughs> fridge. I, mean, I don't know if he keeps stars on his if fridge. He, if he doesn't do it via the league, then he can do it via one of, one of the various Super Copas that will be played. I assume another cup will come up. Yes. What I do think is that if Boca continues playing like this, if, uh, I mean, they won, of course, the Liga Profesional 2022, and, and there are people saying that that the the best the best team is the one who wins, and I don't think Boca was the best one. They won, but I don't think it's uh, likely to win two two leagues yeah. consecutive leagues. I mean, I like that. by that, that same it's, it's Boca. notion, we can describe eighty yes. percent of Boca's league wins yeah. probably with that same. Like I, feel like, words. I feel like an awful lot of the time we've been previewing seasons and saying, oh, it'll be tough for Boca to, to defend their title if they're going to play like they did before, and then Boca have ended up defending their title <laughs> because it's how Boca play. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with you that, that, yeah, okay, it's not as simple as just looking at it and saying, well, the best team are the ones who win. But also, to an extent, it is. Um, and, and there's a degree to which it's just like, yeah, it doesn't matter about playing pretty football, you've got to. Yeah. just function and Boca know how to do that so it's going to be interesting it might not if you're watching Boca and nobody else it might not always be very exciting no. but it should be interesting um, but yeah we'll find out thank you very much indeed for listening to us anyway for this week and we will be back in your ears on a regular basis throughout the season of course um, for now thank you and goodbye from English Dow. Goodbye. From Andres. Thank you and goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye.